0: Welcome to the podcast of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. I'm your host, Dr. Igor Abramovich, from the Trainee Committee of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. Today, we will be speaking about challenges and transformation of anesthesiology and intensive care training in Europe. And therefore, we have invited Prof. Sibylle Kitabel from the Education and Professional Development Committee of the European Board of Anesthesiology. Welcome, Professor Kitabel.
1: Hello, welcome. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Um, Let's start first with um, the work of the Education and Professional Development Committee. So when I open the website, I already see the European training requirements. Could you tell us a bit more about the European training requirements and their history?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, The European Union, the EU, has political goals, and among them is to have competent doctors throughout Europe, to have a good clinical care for all EU citizens, and to have free mobility of European uh, doctors. This means and requires that we harmonize our education and training. So, the uh, contact body for the European Union is the UEMS. This is the Union of European Medical Specialists. And they asked us in the EBA to push forward and rise the standards of education and training in anesthesiology Europe-wide. So we were asked to prepare and revise regularly a met a competence-based curriculum of education and training in anesthesiology. And this is why uh, in 2013, the first uh, ETR, European Training Requirement, was published. And then we had to update it because anesthesiology is a dynamic specialty. And uh, so we updated it in 2018. And this was my task. Actually, I was um, shifted from the patient safety committee to the EPD. And I did this task uh com- very, very uh, straightforward and, and, and I had fun with it and it was very important to me because investments in trainees' progress and education is a win-win situation. It brings both the trainees and us trainers forward and our patients uh, have improved quality of care and improved patient safety. So it is a win-win-win situation. And the ETR, which is not a textbook in anesthesiology and intensive care, but rather a shopping list of ingredients. What does a good clinician need to have? And this ETR may assist us in what Eduardo de Robertis, the upcoming president of the ESAIC, recently at the Euroanesthesia meeting in 2021 said, on our way to excellence, from good to better to best. So... um, for a political, from a political standpoint, it also is a description uh, to make our territory. But today we focus on education and training and the mission of the ETR is to summarize hard facts of our broad competencies.
0: Yes, I really like your comparison, you know, comparing like DTR, like some... Uh, you know, like a shopping list and not um, a textbook. So, you know, in the past two years, we are trainees, specialists in anesthesiology. We've been involved much more in intensive care than maybe one or the other would like to. And do you think the next ETR that might come out next year, will there be any more focus on intensive care training for young anesthesiologists?
1: Well, actually, the um, domain on intensive care medicine in our ETR is filled with many, many issues, and this was because we considered it important from political reasons. Again, political importance um, to to tell all the other disciplines what is important for delivering good intensive care medicine. So, there will not be much to add in the ETR update 2022, but uh, of course, due to pandemia and all we, what we have learned, there will be some more uh, competences and contents amendments on infectious diseases, on... Um, focus probably on resilience of doctors, on telemedicine and things like that. And uh, yeah, these uh, kind of, of content changes will be in there, but this is not dramatic. This is not a major change, I would say. And I'm a patient blood management person, a bleeding management person, And we learned also during pandemia that um, bleeding and thrombosis management is of high importance in intensive care medicine. So some knowledge items such as on heparin resistance, netosis, fibrinolytic shutdown, and some skills on PE, TVT, treatment, and intermittent pneumatic compression application, things like that will be included or stressed in more um, uh, uh, clearness.
0: Yes, um, you're right. So, and if we now, you know, think about the COVID pandemic and education, so a lot of educational formats that were like previously available as courses, through anesthesiology societies or maybe as like a local program in a hospital, are now virtually only. Do you think that trainees benefit from this virtual format or shall we return to the old physical education formats as soon as the pandemic is over?
1: Yeah, good question. I think we all got used to uh, virtual formats. A mix is good, I think. A mix is efficient because knowledge transfer can be done via virtual meetings and virtual uh, lecturing. So it is helpful, but we need hands-on and skill training and we need the exposure to para and non-verbal aspects of communication in our discipline because we are not theoretical science people or desk offenses, but rather practitioners. And we need to deliver care with our hands. And these hands, of course, need guidance by our brains, education and, and virtual meetings and our heart. So I think both is important, both virtual and physical formats and all have a place in adult learning. So uh, in this sense, both aspects, both formats have a place.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I see. Now, um, Professor Kitable, you are a senior specialist and certainly involved in training of trainees. So when I looked up on the EBA website, I also saw that the ABA has released a new handbook for trainers this year. From your perspective now as a senior trainer, what are Possible challenges for trainers that are currently, they're facing. So do you see any troubles or challenges implementing um, the guidance of the handbook? Or what kind of challenges do trainers face nowadays to promote good education for trainees?
1: Yes, there are challenges for us. First, we have heavy clinical workload and we need time Dedicated and protected for training needs, and we need a good microclimate or culture in the departments for um, training. And you have to consider that me and my colleagues have been trained in account or time based system, and now we have to deliver CB-MET, um, competence based medical education and training. So we now have to work and train outcome-oriented, and we need to individualize training of trainees. So there is a change of culture, and we need to learn, and we should not learn teaching by doing, but rather learn uh, in a structured way how to assess a trainee, how to give feedback, how to navigate through the process, how to signposting the next task, and how to support learning of uh, our trainees. So we wrote the handbook because there are some issues included, some ingredients, again, what can help us to do this task and how can we professionally get the attitudes towards residents and and, uh, create a positive learning climate in the workplace environment so, there is a change despite the constraints of, of uh, workload and things like that. So, the expectations on us trainers are high. This is another um, challenge because, um, like in allied sport, we are not only the trainers to get a physical ability of uh, the sports person, but we should also coach our trainees in difficult times uh, when there is a pandemia, where there are uh, new challenges and so forth. And the expectation is as well that we should act as role models and with all what we have on well-being and satisfaction in our personal life because this will impact our trainees progress so there are high expectations despite a heavy clinical workload and we have to teach in a new version challenging
0: yes this is not just you know a lot of pressure on us trainees but also like on the trainers and fatigue is certainly a topic for everybody yep um now we come to a topic that comes a bit from my heart this is like you know some uh, vision or like an idea for me and maybe from the training committee as well what is your opinion on a possible let's say european residency format i mean in, in such a way like harmonization of training for europe maybe like through the national societies or through some different body what do you think of that or like a possibility of it
1: I think it's highly wanted, Uh, such a European residency format would be really cool. And you have to consider that in the specific core domains um, in the ETR. There are requirements and activities and exposures which not all hospitals can offer from pre-hospital scenarios to cardiovascular to pediatric surgery and so forth. So to have an exchange, a lively exchange uh, at hand would be really, really helpful. It would be fun and it would allow us all to learn from each other. So this would be really cool. And I would like to remind you that the ESAIC offers education and training committee, uh, trainee exchange program committee. So there are infrastructures there to promote this. The problem I see, however, is the language barrier. Because in an exchange program, Uh, you may not be so familiar with the language of the patients and the co-workers, collaborators in this workplace. And from domain 1.1 in our ETR onwards, towards the end of all the competence lists, uh, effective and clear communication is an issue and is important. So this may be um, limiting the exchange Um, format for all the competences that are required or that should be gained. But still, for many, many aspects, it would be so helpful and it would be food for thoughts and very fruitful for us all.
0: Yes, so there are quite a few challenges we face and language barriers, certainly one of them. Now, there are quite a lot of trainees that are listening to our podcast. And now we've talked about trainers, we talked about training requirements and, you know, this idea I have of harmonization of training, which we are working towards a little bit. Um, Let's talk lastly about what trainees can improve. Um, to you know, to advance or improve their own training and training cultures. What can trainees actively contribute to their training?
1: They can contribute a lot because the trainee is, in the end, responsible and in command for his/her own progress through the training program, and uh, the task of the trainer is only to assist the trainee in the end. So the trainee is not a passive receiver of training, but an active constructor. So each trainee can help to become a professional and a specialist.
0: I see. So um thank you so much. And to end this episode, um let's maybe have like a short peek to the future. um, what can our listeners expect next? Uh, let's say in this year, two thousand twenty-two, from your committee, or oh, regarding education, specialty? is there anything planned for two thousand twenty-two?
1: Well, the ETR update is is underway. We, in our standing committees, just um, prepared the the draft, and this will be sent to all EU member state delegates in the EBA for approval of final changes. There will be some micro changes like wording will be clarified and abbreviations adapted. The ESA is now the ESAIC and the HV tab is the ATAIC. But there will be also content amendments, things like interoperative fire and burn management, um, requirements for aerosol precaution in airway management using face shields, etc. Resuscitation in prone position Um as I said, pokers and infection diseases. Another big change will be that uh, we will propose um, communication as a skill, not an attitude anymore, and the attitude, um, the, the 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 soft skill of. Uh, how to increase my own resilience, how to detect my fatigue, how to prevent my burnout risk or reduce the risk and promote self-well-being. This will be more explicitly incorporated into the ETR because it is we learned and also in pandemia this is of highest relevance. Yeah, and also innovations and automatization, assisted closed loop systems, et cetera, will be included as a middle or long term perspective. And in the end, the attitude will be added that anesthesiology per se is an attitude rather than a specialty. We care, we are the backbone of a hospital, as Eduardo de Robertis recently said. So this means commitment as an attitude in the broadest field and in the broadest meaning this will be included
0: wow so there's quite a lot that (laughs) with us this year and so thank you so much professor kitabel for this short interview about the transformation of education in our specialty and thank you everyone for listening to this episode The Isaac releases monthly podcasts on the Isaac website and various CIMI platforms. We hope you will join us for the next one.